shouldn't say a gospel girl. It's our privilege to go to the scriptures. I don't know if any of you um, looked up, noticed in the bulletin the title for tonight's message, but let's turn to Psalm 42. We've been looking at issues of life. I don't know that I've ever heard a message or preached a message on this particular passage of scripture. Um, in all those years, I think about hearing about a young man who went into the ministry, and after three years, he was he quit the ministry because he ran out of things to preach. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> anyway, a few years ago, it really hit me that there's no way I'm going to get through this whole book. It's like, anyway. But I'd like to read quite a lengthy passage, actually, Psalm 42 and 43, because they actually are linked together, and they're very interesting. And so, Psalm 42, starting in verse 1, says, As the heart, which is a type of deer, panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan, and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, My rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they daily say unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. And then Psalm 43, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation, O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into, unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then, then will I go unto the altar of God. Unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee so much for thy word tonight. And even though this, this psalm is not signed or autographed as such, we, it certainly fits David's language and situation and so, Lord, help us as we look into this tonight by the help of the Holy Spirit and to realize um, some things from thy word that I hope 
to encourage us and even that we might be able to use these and others that we're trying to encourage. So we just commit this time to thee. In Jesus' name, amen. I have to ask a question that might be a little dangerous, but have you ever just wanted to scream? (laughs) 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 The the reason I say that is because of a word that is used three times in these these Psalms. Um, In 42, in verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? And verse... Hope in God, hope, hope thou in God. For I shall praise him for the help of his countenance. Then down verse 11, why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? And then verse uh, 43, verse 5, why art thou disquieted within me? All right, so three times in the, this verse is used. And in uh, the book of Psalms, as we mentioned, oftentimes it was the hymn book of, the, of Israel. And so some of these verses are like a, the chorus of a hymn. And that's kind of like what 42 42.11, and 43.5 are. So for that reason, uh, some people think, and I think they're right, that these two psalms were written together. Um, and may have originally been one, and then they broke them into two. But whatever the case may be, certainly the theme, the theme is the same uh, for both of these psalms. Now, the word translated disquieted. That's why I asked you if you ever wanted to just scream. Because the word disquieted means to make a noise, to be tumultuous, to be agitated. And it's an, kind of an inner thing. Why, is, you know, why art thou disquieted within me? Right? Um, in me. It means inner. You know, inner. The inner thing that the psalmist was experiencing at this time. Now, and he knows that he shouldn't and mustn't remain that way, and nor should we, and yet, so, so, but we're going to see in the passage of Scripture that part of it was due to God's dealing in his life. Now, um, so three times he exhorts himself. I guess this is probably a more dangerous question. Do you ever talk to yourself? Somebody said, it's all I've heard it said, that it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't answer yourself. But anyway, that the psalmist is talking to himself. Um, and not, that's not always bad. <coughs> I sometimes talk to myself. <laughs> oh, here it gets worse. No, as you get older, that's what I mean. Um, I kind of remind myself, hey, you know, just do this, do this, you know. Keep, keep going. Um, and I think things are, every time, if I think things are getting tough or difficult, the verse comes to my mind like that, endure hardness <laughs> as a good soldier. So, okay, all right, okay. Um, so he's exhorting himself. Um, three times, by the way, he exhorts himself, hope thou in God. 42.5, 42.11, 43.5. And then three times he encouraged himself. Verse 5, 40 chapter, Psalm 42, 5, the end of the verse, For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. 43, 11, end of the verse, For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And then 43, 5, For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance 
and my God. And so you can see that even as the psalmist is writing these psalms, and as he's putting down his thoughts on paper, as he's really as he's led by the Holy Spirit, of course, you can you can see a a movement, a transition, as he even as he writes these things down. There is, you know, and he's he's exer- encouraging himself. And I love the change. And we're going to look at my later. At the end of verse 5, he says, For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance, his face, his, his, his attention. And then he says, I, in verse 11, I, will yet, I shall yet praise him who is the health of my count, my spiritual health and my God. And in verse 5, again, I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Like the psalmist, every one of us here tonight is, professes faith in Christ. Every one of us knows, theoretically, we know in our mind and our heart that the Lord is our hope and our help. We know that our hope is in Him. We know that our help is in Him. But so did the psalmist. But for reasons that I think it's good for us to investigate in the text, he found himself in this this condition of disquietude, right? Um, so we need to remember that and hold to him in times of disquietude. Now, not, not, not planning to go word by word and throughout these two psalms, but I do want us to look at what I see as at least three reasons why the psalmist, and I, again, it could very well be David, so if you don't mind, I'm going to refer to him thus, that way, why he found himself in this time, in this attitude, if you will, or in this spirit of disquietude, right? And I'm hoping that as you take these things in tonight, and even maybe jot some things down, you might be able to share this with people. Because these, these are common things, I believe, today in people's lives. Now, um, the number one, and I'm, and I'm sharing this because the text says so, but the idea that this was not David's fault. The, number one, it was because of circumstances that he was in. All right? So let me, having said that, let me, this is point number one. Absence from the house of God was one of the things that led to his disquietude. Now, let me read. Let's look at chapter 40, Psalm 42 and verse 1. It starts off, he, he expresses his thirst for God. As the heart panteth, that is the deer, panteth after the water brooks. The picture is of a deer that whether it's fleeing from a hunter or an enemy, a predator, uh, he has he become, he's parched with thirst, he's worn out, he's looking for a place to get a drink of water. And the psalmist says, So panteth my soul after thee, O God. So, and he says, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. <clears throat> All right? So he had this thirst in his soul, in his heart, in his spirit, for God. Um, and we remind you that Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So it's good to have that thirst for God, right? Just for Him, for His presence and His power and His fellowship, and, and in, you know, in the Word and in prayer and all those things. And every Christian, when we 
as in the, in the heart and spirit, there's a thirst for God. There's a desire for God. It's put there by God. So I know it's there in the, in the heart of every believer. Um, now, notice, let's go on. In verse 2, when shall, I, when shall I come and appear before God? And there's no, he's talking about coming into the tabernacle. If this psalmist is David or someone before the temple was built. If it was after the temple, then obviously he's talking about the temple. Where they went to meet with God. And come before God in a prayer and offer sacrifice and worship. And the things um, that they were required to do. But the psalmist didn't, didn't do these things because it was required. He did it because of the thirst in his soul for God and to meet with God and to please God and have God's blessing upon his life. All right? Now, <clears throat> um, verse 3, My tears have been my meat day and night while they continue saying to me, Where is thy God? And so he's, in, he's among people who are ungodly. And that's, we're going to bring that out a little bit more later, but it's all part of his disquietude and his desire to get out of where he was and get back into the house of God. All right, now, look at verse 4. Here's, here's the, the real uh, clincher for this for point number 1. When I remember these things, all right, the thirst for God, the oppression of the enemy, his desire to, meet, to come before God, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day, that is, that, that observed the feast days and the holy days of the Lord. Now he says, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. And it was my delight. And he, he you know, again, if it's David, he's also the one who wrote Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Right? That was his delight. That was his desire. And one of two things, no doubt were true. Um, David was absent from the house of God either because he was fleeing from an enemy or he was in battle. Right? And he was leading the army somewhere. And so he was away from Jerusalem. He was away from the tabernacle. And I, and I thought, I was, it came to my mind as I was going through these things that when David was fleeing from Saul, there were a couple times when God arranged circumstances so Saul was there, David could have killed him if he wanted to, but he wouldn't, all right? Because he was the Lord's anointed, he wouldn't do that. But I remember one point that one of those times David actually awakes, you know, woke Saul up and he said, you know, Saul went and bowed down before him to show respect and he said, Saul, and he said, is that, is that, is that the voice? Art thou my son David? And he said, yes, it's me. And one of the things that David said is, Saul, one of the things that, that, that's happening here, you're fleeing after me. You're actually chasing me. and You're, you're, out, you're causing me to worship other gods. That, that's what you're doing. That's what this, this is what's going to happen if you keep chasing me. All right? And he's basically saying to Saul, is that what you're doing? Is that why you're doing this? Because you want your... And of course then Saul said, I'm sorry, he wept and he promised never hurt David again and all that stuff. But I found that very interesting that one of the reasons David didn't, didn't, didn't not like fleeing from Saul is that it kept him out of the house of God. All right? All right, so... <clears throat> 
his desire was to be there. Now, and can a person worship God and pray to God outside the house of God? Certainly. We probably do most of our praying, I hope, at home or somewhere else. But, as you know, there's no substitute for being in the house of God. There just isn't. There's something about it. God wants us to be there, and David wanted to be there. All right. So that's number one. He, he wasn't where he wanted to be, and that, that just that wore on his soul. Then secondly, he, had, he was in this time of disquietude because of trials from the hand of God. Now, that was kind of maybe related to what we just talked about. He's absent from the house of God. But other things are happening too. Now, I just want us to center our thoughts on, on verse 7. Well, verse 6, let's go there too. Verse 6, notice his distress. He expresses this. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. The idea of that just to cast down means brought low, humbled. It's almost the idea of being depressed, being weighed down. Therefore, <clears throat> see, he's beginning to, it's beginning to turn around already. He says, therefore, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Now, in case you're interested, um, these are all talking about places in the north, far from Jerusalem. Um, the land of Jordan was in the upper region of Israel where Dan was located. The tribe of Dan settled way in the north. Um, the Hermonites were actually three summits of Mount Hermon. Also in the north, in the, the region that Israel took from the Amorites as part of the conquest of the Promised Land. The hill Mizar is a small hill near Mount Hermon, also in the north. It's the idea of being far away from where the gospel of God was. David had been in these places, either in battle or flight from his enemies. And he remembered. He remembered God, that God was in those places and was always with him. Now, the word remember. Therefore, I remember thee, in verse 6. The word translated remember here means literally call to mind or consider. It's with the idea of turning to and calling on. So, the, the, in David's mind, it came to him finally that even though he was away from Jerusalem, he was not out of the presence of God. And that he could still call upon God and, and that God was with him. And then verse 7, he's, this, is why, this is one of the things that caused him to remember God and go back to him, call upon him, deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. That's like, it's like waves and, and, and storms at sea. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Well, that's why I say the hand of God. One of the reasons that David was in this time of disquietude is because the hand of God was working in his life. Now, this verse is obviously not talking about literal waves and billows. It's talking about the waves of trial and chastening that were coming upon him. 
It's like very similar to what Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 7. The, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew. That's not talking about literal floods and wind. It's talking about the adversities and the trials of life. That's what David's talking about. But notice it says they were from God. All right? Um, I want you to notice a couple of things. Um, the, the headings of two psalms. All right? The hand of God. The heading. I want you to see where these things could come from. Now, I mentioned under point number one that it wasn't David's fault necessarily that he was away from the house of God. But, the fact that the hand of God, the billows had come upon him, sometimes that was David's fault. All right? Now, and we may not know, all right? But the response needs to be the same. So let's look at in Psalm 18, the heading. This is Psalm of David. And this is not David's fault, all right? <clears throat> to the chief musician, Psalm 18, a Psalm of David. I hope, does everybody's Bible have those? I hope they do. They all have the titles of the Psalms, the headings. All right, under, my Bible's under Psalm 18 says, to the chief musician. A psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God and my, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. And so this is David's song of praise and triumph after God had given victory over all of his enemies. And one of the blessings in I mean, some of you may have already done this, but one of the great encouragements in verse 1 and verse 2 are all the personal pronouns. How David refers to God. My strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, my buckler, my salvation, my high tower. Right? That's what he is. It's, uh, he's personally that to us. Right? So David was fleeing from Saul. Let's think about Saul in particular. Not because of any wrongdoing he'd done. David did only what was right. Saul got jealous. You know the story. All right? So in, this, in the case here, David was being rewarded for, or, I mean, punished for good by, by Saul. All right? Now, let's turn to Psalm 51, and let's read the heading there. And I think most of you know what Psalm 51 is all, is all about. It's David pouring out his heart to God regarding the, his sin with Bathsheba. Right? So, <clears throat> Psalm 51, the heading says, to the chief musician, a son of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy upon me, O God. See, the whole, the whole tenor of the psalm, totally different. Psalm 18, praising the Lord for victory, because David was in the right. Here it's, have mercy upon me, O God. And he goes on to say, you know, cleanse me from blood guiltiness and all this kind of thing. So here David was in the wrong. And so the point is, he was in disquietude, perhaps because of battle and being chased by enemies, and also he was in disquietude over his sin with Bathsheba. 
And he talked about his roaring, all right, back in that Psalm 32, which is about, which is the same, it's a psalm written also by David regarding the, the, his sin with Bathsheba, all right. He says in Psalm 32, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old by my roaring all the day long, right. And so there's that disquietude, that inner, inner roaring, all right. And so um, the hand of God is a reason for disquietude. God allows trials um, to come into our life. And he also will chasten us when we sin. And, and I believe that um, a lot of times I've, I've talked to people, I don't think anybody here necessarily, but have said to me, I can't figure out if this is trials or chastening. Well, the way you figure it out is by going to the Word of God. And if you find in the Word of God that you're doing something the Word of God says not to or not doing something the Word of God says to do, we can be pretty sure it's chastening that, that brings these things. We, we, and we certainly don't know in the lives of others. And it bothers me sometimes when Christians just seem to know. Well, this happened to him because. Well, we don't know that necessarily. So we've we got to watch uh, saying things like that about other people. Um, that Greek, the Bible says, don't rejoice not at calamities. And don't be happy when your enemy falls. Because it's, the verse says it could, the same thing could, turn, could happen to us as well. Now, let's go back. All right, Psalm 42. I'm back there. I hope you are. Number three, oppression from his enemies. Now, this is specific. We know this here. And so in chapter 40, or Psalm 42, Verse 9, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So, and David said some things. And I don't take time tonight to take it back, but there were times when he was fleeing from Saul that he said things that he knew better. And he did things that he knew better to do. That, that the enemy wore on him. You know, Saul constantly going after David. It wore on him. Finally, at one point, David said, I know that I shall one day perish at the hand of Saul. No, he didn't. You know, Samuel had anointed David to be the next king, and God had made promises to David. And so even Abigail, remember the the wife of Nabal, you know, the dirt is what the word Nabal means, fool or dirt. Well, the evil Abigail said to David, thy life is bound up in the bundle of life for thy God, and you're going to be king. And when you are king, you'll be happy that you didn't kill my husband and do things that you shouldn't have done. But David forgot that. He said, you know, he got to the point where, you know, I just can't take this anymore. I'm just going to go, you know, go to the land of the Philistines. And so when they saw him, he pretended to be insane. You know, he slobbered and scratched the boy away. And the king said, we don't need madmen. And, and I think David, in fact, um, I believe that Psalm, let me check here, make sure, uh, Psalm 34, yes, was written after that. Because the heading of Psalm 34 is a Psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. And then he talks about how he praised God. I really think that when David finally wised up and came to his senses, he probably said, my Lord, it's no, 
If it wasn't for God having mercy delivered me, I would have been killed by those guys. But they let him go. They drove him away. And so he came to his senses. And he, so here, in Psalm 42, he asked God, why have you forgotten me? Now, if he had been in a better frame of mind, he realized God doesn't ever forgets, forgets about his own. But that's how the oppression can weigh on people. As he says, why go on mourning? Back in 42, verse 9. Why go on mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? And so he was challenged by his enemies. Where is thy God? In verse 2, where is thy God? The end of verse 10, where is thy God? David, you, you, you're in the, you claim to believe in the God of Israel. You, you're supposed to be a godly man, but where is he? Christian, we go through something, and it's known to other people. You're supposed to be a Christian. Where's your God in all this? And it wears it. can wear on a person. So we could say this, this cutting to David, so to speak, it is especially hard to bear the reproach and mockery of the enemies of God. Obviously, we have enemies today as well. God sometimes allows these things, and get this, God sometimes allows these things in our life to test our faith and to let our enemies see our faith. Right? Dear old Mrs. Dixon, with the Lord now. What was with the Lord one of her favorite sayings was? Pastor, I've said it many times, the Christian is the only Bible some people will ever read. Remember how she said that all the time. It's true. And that's why God puts us out there. And that's why God allows things to happen in our life so that they will see the, the Bible working in our life. And so, so God allows these things, trials and so on, to test our faith, yes, but also to let our enemies see our faith and to let us encourage other Christians to be faithful. And so David is right to pray, to call unto the Lord. And so should we, and so we should yield to him and be faithful to God and to his word by his grace. But where is thy God? People say that in this country. Every time there's a bad thing happening, well, where is God? And you know where God is? He's right where they want him to be, absent, or so they think. And anyway, so... Um, I've heard it, you've probably heard it too. Where is God? No, you're supposed to be a Christian. How come this happened to you? And if we act just like the rest of the world and mourn and groan and curse and all that, then there goes our opportunity ever to be a testimony to those around us. So you've got to watch for that. Watch out. All right, now let's go to 43. Here's our conclusion. Psalm 43, this shows where David's hope and where his confidence lay. Now, at the end of verse Five, he's in, in chapter 42 again. He says, For I shall yet praise him. He says, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. All right? And then in verse 43, here's the conclusion to this two psalm uh, pair here, this two testimony or psalm. So here's what, here's what David did as he comes to verse 43. He puts the matter totally in the hand of God. So, the first thing he did, does is he prays for God's help. 
right? Verse 1, judge me, O God, <coughs> that is, render a verdict in my case, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation, <coughs> or deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. So he prays for help, deliverance, power over his enemies. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So in other words, David is saying to the Lord, like, how long are you, are you willing to allow the enemy to oppress me? Will you stand up for me? Will you judge me now? Will you help me to triumph over my enemies? And you know what? God always did. Eventually. Second, he prays for God's leading. Verse 3, O send out thy light and thy truth, let them lead me. Right? He says, no, I want God to lead, guide me, and here's where I'm hoping you ultimately will bring me. He says, let them bring me into thy holy, under thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle. He said, I'm asking you, God, for your light, for your truth, and to, for them to lead me and to, to bring me back. And there's a tremendous statement there because David knows unless God intervenes, he's not getting back to God's house. He's, because if the enemies have their way, he'll, they'll kill him, but he'll never get back. And so he says, God, I, I need you to do this. And so God did, obviously. So there's a prayer for God's help against the enemy, the prayer for God's leading back into the house of God to open the way for him to get back there. And then third, there is a promise to praise God. All right, verse 4. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto, my, unto God my exceeding joy, lay upon the heart that I praise thee, O God, my God. And David says, God, I promise, if you get me back there, I'm going to praise you like never before. All right, I'm going I'm to praise thee. And then verse 5, he brings it all to a close. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieting within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. He's my, you are my spiritual help. You are the only one who can make my countenance what it ought to be. Peaceful, joyful. You're the only one, Lord, who can take away this disquietude. And so I give it all to you and ask for your help and your leading. All right? Now, <clears throat> one last thing. And that's, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. You think about David's life and the many paths and, and so on that it took. And it was, um, it was a life of um, ups and downs. It was, a, it was a life of triumphs and defeats. But, it ult but he ultimately triumphed. Um, when you think about uh, we, we can think too much about individual events in David's life. But one of the things that ought to really uh, cause us to think and really process is that especially after the kingdom was divided, which happened really quickly during Solomon's son Rehoboam's reign, do you, know, do you know that every king from that point on, in Judah especially, every one of them was compared to David. Every one of them, right? He did evil, you know, unlike David, he did evil, or he did, he did right beside the Lord, as did his father David. 
And so we got to be careful of putting too much emphasis on the bad parts of David's life. Yes, he fell, but so do we all. But at the end of his life, the comment was he had done he had done that which was good and right. And so in Second Samuel 23, let's take a look at the perspective at the end of David's life. So I wrote there verse one, just a few verses. Now these be the last words of David. This is, this is like David's last official statement as king. David, the son of Jesse, said, and the man who is raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. Don't, don't, don't just love that name, that description of David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Now, if God hadn't raised up David and given him such talent and such a spirit and such a heart for God, there'd be, man, there'd be a heap hole in our Bibles. Can you imagine what our Bible would be like if there was no Psalms? All right? And so he gave that. He anointed. He was the anointed of God. The sweet psalmist of Israel. By the way, he's one of the few men in the Old Testament. When I think that I see that, he was anointed of, the, of, of God Jacob. God, you know, God sent Samuel to anoint David. Do you remember what the Bible says about after Samuel anointed David? The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward, which is very rare in the Old Testament. Right? And David had the Spirit of God with him all the time, unlike, I don't think there's very many others, Joseph might be one, but not too many others who had the Spirit of God upon them from the time of their anointing to the day of their death. And David prayed in Psalm 51, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, because he knew that was possible, in the Old Testament, but God never did. God never took it away. And so the sweet psalmist of Israel said, and the psalms are sweet, I'll tell you, they are sweet. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. David recognized that he was led by the Lord, that David's words were the inspired words of God. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me, he that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning, when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after the rain. Now that's talking about the rain of a man who rules in the fear of God. It's like a re refreshment after rain, right? Then here's what David says, though, although my house be not so with God, even though I haven't attained to that, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and sure for this is all my salvation and all my desire although he make it not to grow in other words David's talking about the desire of his heart at the end of his life was to be allowed to build the temple he wasn't Solomon was and so David took accepted that and prepared until the day of his death the Bible says he prepared with all his might and so at the end of David's life he could say this is what God did for me he, he made this covenant, he brought me through, and, he, and he's been my God, and I've been his servant. And so, um, that's great, that's great to realize how David's life ended with the Lord, walking with the Lord, faithful to the Lord, and so, and so can we. And uh, so these are all, the Bible says, reminds us in the New Testament, everything written back in the Old is for our, for our learning, for example. And so, yes... Everyone, everyone, every Christian who has ever lived or ever will live has had times, down times, as we can say. Um, you know, times when we, when we go through trials, when we have chastening from the Lord, all these things. 
Christian who says they haven't is deceived or, or they're just, they're just they're not being honest. I don't know if there's any Christian ever who goes through their life 100% of the time while they're just up and things are great. Um, you know, no. That's not, that's not the nature of our life. In fact, the Bible says, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. But thank God. We don't stay that way. By the grace of God, even Peter said, if need be, you're in, you're in heaviness with sore trials for a season, not all the time. Right? And we have many of our brothers and sisters around the world who are going through really hard times now. Persecution, all kinds of things happening to them. And yet their testimonies are amazing. I've read a little bit, heard some comments about the Christians in Afghanistan, for example. We said, well, they released a statement, we will meet, we will meet, and we'll probably die. But we're going to meet anyway. We're going to be there. We're going to get together. Um, I understand, I don't know, it's hard to get reports, but things are coming out. I heard a report a couple days ago that it's possibly that they're all dead, but I don't know for sure. Nothing about else. If you can talk to me afterwards, if you, know, if you have any better information. Um, a few years ago, there were 100,000 missionaries, Christians in China, that surrendered their life to reach the Muslims all over the world. And they were going to use the old trade route, Marco Polo and all that kind of thing. And they moved them and they said, a lot of us, if not most of us, if not all of us, are going to die doing this. But that's what God wants us to do. We've got to get the gospel to these people. And so, that's how Christians are. Um, and so, anyway, let's just keep on. Let's remember that David. Let's encourage ourselves. And say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to yet praise God. Maybe in time when you really are praising God and, and your things are great, God's blessing, and that's wonderful. Um, thank God for that. Um, it's all in his hand. Um, he's our God. Never forsaken us. Remember all those mys in Psalm 18. My rock, my fortress, my strength, my God. Praise the Lord for that. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time in thy word. And, and Lord, if we're honest, I know I, I, I would be totally ignorant to deny ever being sad or sorrowful or, or under pressure or even agitated. But Lord, thank you for the word of God and for its, its encouragement, its exhortation that constantly brings us back. I thank thee for the opportunities that you give me from time to time to sit under the preaching of God's word, to be challenged, to be convicted, and, and to be corrected and encouraged. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your hand. And we know, Lord, you're always doing what's for our good and for thy glory. And just help us, we pray. Help us in this world we live in. Oh, Father, they just don't understand. Um, and uh, we just pray that you would help us, empower us to be good examples and good testimonies to those around us. And I'm thankful that we can encourage our one another in the things of God. And so we commit all this to thee now. Uh, please be with Judy tonight and just encourage her um, and others that need encouragement. We just want to thank thee for the blessings of today and the encouragements that we, that we got and that we might pass those along to others. And we pray, watch over everybody as we go home tonight and as we begin a new week. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's take our hymn books once again. And number 359. 359. <clears throat> My faith.
faith looks up to thee. All right, let's show, let's stand, shall we?
And again, Father, please watch over us tonight as we leave from here. And just take us, use us, Lord, as instruments of righteousness and ambassadors for Christ. And just help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.